All of us have tried to change our food habits at some stage, most of us multiple times. Maybe, as you're listening to this now, you want to. It sounds simple. I'll just stop eating this and start eating that. But it's never that easy, is it? Today, we'll take a deep dive into food habits and offer you 14 tips for changing yours. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello and welcome back to Ancestral Kitchen Podcast and quite topically for the beginning of the year we have an episode today on changing food habits and I think we've got 14 tips for you. I am sitting here opposite my husband Rob. Andrea is with us in spirit today, the third seat at the table um, but I'm recording in actual physical being with my husband Rob. Welcome Rob. Hi there. Rob's been with us before on several episodes so you may have heard him. Um, so before we dive into changing food habits as if I didn't know let's pretend I don't know what did you last eat Rob? Ah so this morning was a porridge morning mm. so last night Alison soaked actually I did it didn't I I measured out some oats and then the which had been ground in our what is it what do you Flaked. call it? Flaked. There we go. Flaked. Okay. It's like a thing with a handle and you turn it and they come out the other end looking like <laughs> oats rather than like any other grain. And then Alison put some rye through our mock meal and then soaked them overnight. And then in the morning, I stumbled out of bed before anybody else in the dark and turned on a pan and left them cooking while I did some various other breathing practices and had a coffee and who knows what and then yeah and then had some oats so I, I actually I've developed a habit of having um pecorino um cheese with oats and I, I'd never mm. known this as a sheep cheese and oats yeah sheep cheese and oats I'd never known this as a sensible combination but when you think about it like oat cakes and cheese work well yeah. and it's just because those were the two things that seemed to be available in the morning and I, I like having that cheese in the morning it seems to have some good protein in it whereas I, I can't I can't eat it in the evening it's just it seems too much for my stomach I think I'm, I'm getting old so you had know. porridge and porridge and cheese, cheese. yeah some okay some kefir grains Mm. Um, water, tibicos. We have tibicos. to call it tibicos oh, now. Yeah, um, I did hear that episode. The Sandor, you, you haven't heard the it. The Sandor yet. episode hasn't come <laughs> yeah. out yet. We are <laughs> the next episode you'll hear is Sandor Katz, and he, um, yeah, he told Andrew and I that he should be calling water kefir tibicos. Tibicos grains. Um, was there anything else? There was some ground linseed on there, and there was also a bit of fruit with it. The only fruit we've got left, actually, I've got to run out and get some more at some point soon. I think that was nice. it. So, yeah, I basically had the same thing. Um, if you want to go back and listen to the fermenting oats episode, that's about three or four episodes back, um, you will learn from that why I changed the way that I soak oats in the house. And that's one of the big reasons why I bought a mock mill. So I soak my oats now with freshly ground rye flour because that's high in phytase, which helps break down the phytic acid in the oats. So I had the same thing the oats, but I had mine with um, miso, a barley miso, which I bought, not made, I haven't made miso yet, um, ground linseed and olive oil, um, and also one scoop of protein powder, almost forgot that, um, stirred it around really, really well, and, um, and had that for breakfast with a chocolate husk tea, which was very nice. Okay. So that's the, the first most important question of the entire podcast. Um, we've got a couple of reviews to read. I'll read the first one, Rob, and then um, you can read the second one. Thank you ever so much to everyone who leaves us reviews. They are so, so 
helpful to us and we love reading each and every one of them. Both Andrea and I read them. The first one I've got here is from Andrea Swanson who says five stars, thank you. I want to thank you, Alison and Andrea, for taking the time to create this lovely podcast. I live in rural downtown Maine, USA, where my husband and I are carving out a new life for ourselves, being as self-sustaining and healthy as we can be. I so appreciate listening to the two of you discussing the options that are available. I'm extremely sceptical of the food, in quotes, in the grocery store, and use them only when absolutely necessary. I'm hoping to completely eliminate them at some point soon. We currently raise chickens and vegetables and have been connecting with all the local micro farms in central and northern Maine and feel healthier than ever. I just finally bought a pressure canner and I feel like I'll be able to set up as completely with local sourced food and ferments. Thank you again. Well, thank you very much, Andrea. We really appreciate you sharing a bit of your world there and giving us a five-star review. Rob, do you want to read the second one? Yeah, I've got another one here. Uh, It's from Daniela E.M. And it says, five stars, fantastic podcast. I can't stop listening to it while at work in a manufacturing environment while building and testing machines or at home while cooking, cleaning, gardening or even while jogging. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) great you can't get much more positive than that no indeed indeed so let's um after those two wonderful reviews thank you both let's dive into our topic today and we've got 14 tips for changing your food habits now this is the first episode of the year and generally i mean i don't do new year's resolutions i haven't done for many years but i do believe in resolve and i do believe in making resolutions And I think you can do them any time of the year, but it's quite an apt time to tackle this subject, which was requested by a patron, um, which made us kind of, me and Andrew, start thinking. So Rob is with me today um, because he's got quite a bit to say about this. Both of us have changed our food habits a lot. Um, My habits are completely different to those of my childhood, and they've gone through a, a large number of changes along that route. Um, Long-term podcast listeners will know that I lost half my body weight between the ages of 20 and 21. There is an episode back in the annals of the podcast called Alison's 140 pound weight loss if you want to go and listen to that. Um, Before I went through that process I ate pretty much the English equivalent of a standard American diet. Supermarket food, bread out of a plastic packet, um, meat that just was in polystyrene and I had no idea where it came from. I'm sure the eggs... Hydrogenated oils. Yeah, hydrogenated oils, um, just sugar, standard stuff. And I just eat completely differently now. And each stage of that has, there's been food changes. Rob, do you want to talk about a little bit about your particular um, food changes before we talk about what yeah, we've done so together? I guess I'm just going to the part of my food habit changing CV that is from before I met you. Mm. Um, Okay, so um, the biggest, I guess the biggest change I had was cutting out wheat. And I know that doesn't sound like a a massive thing, but I literally, I literally was eating wheat sort of two or three meals a day, really. And I changed from a, a sort of a junk food eating student drinking type to a, okay, here's the food pyramid let's do it justice you know so I, I ate healthy in quotes like really mainstream healthy like I, I was really serious about it and I was really quite unwell and it it was the really one of my first steps out of the mainstream to go mm, well okay what happens if I say wheat's a problem for me what happens if I say that pasteurized dairy is a problem for me and I, t- I took these things out of my diet it made the most unbelievable change and I mean, beyond that, I did a lot of water fasting, which requires quite a lot of sensitivity and engagement with your food habits and changed quite... I I went on the specific carbohydrate diet, which is kind of like a precursor to GAPS. It's something that existed before GAPS did. And yeah, these are the things that I fumbled around with hopelessly before I met Alison and then she could make me some decent food. But um. <laughs> well, between us, I mean, we've both got a history with changing food habits before we met. And then when we met, we, you were vegetarian 
I wasn't. I went vegetarian. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? We both went vegan, and then we went raw vegan, which is a huge change in food habits. I mean, no cooked food at all. From vegan, we then did an almighty kind of 180. Now, I'm just going to say not recommending it no, no. <laughs> for anybody. Well, maybe one day we'll do an episode on yeah. the, the switch. We went 180 from there and, and found Western Price and Ancestral Food. And then, so that was a big, big change in our habits, bringing animal produce back in, bringing cooked food back in, bringing ferments in. Since then, we've experimented with lots of different food protocols, including GAPS. I went through a process about five years ago of giving up sugar, um, including fruit, for various health issues that I had, which was a big E, changing food habits. So we've got, we've got a fair bit of chops here <laughs> that we can bring to it. And, you know, most of it was done for our healing and some of it was done for Gabriel, our son, you know, to help him with his issues that we were working through. So it's something we've done as a family, really. Okay, so I'm just going to run through that. I don't think I've put these in a particular in a particular order, but we've got 14 tips for changing your food habits, if that's what you want to do. The first one, number one, is think about the bigger picture. And by that, I mean your life in its entirety. What's very um, useful to do here is to understand what your values are you can download a list of values from the internet and you can go through them and think about them or you can come up with the words yourself and understand what motivates you, what you value in life and then get clear on your why. That's the kind of phrase that we've talked about on the podcast before and if you're a patron of the podcast, on the treasure trove, there is a document that I created which will guide you through that value exercise and getting clear on your why. It's really important to know why you're doing what you're doing, what's important to you, what your motivators in life are. Because food's not just about food. And, you know, when I, when I talked to Rob about this, these 14 steps yesterday in preparation, and we talked about how this really is a matter of a positive motivator as opposed to a motivator of fear. And how a positive motivator will give you more of a reason to make change in your life than a fear motivator. You just think of like a doctor saying, oh, you've got to cut out this. And the person who doesn't really want to cut it out, like got to stop drinking or stop smoking. It just, that, that engagement is not there compared to someone who has a dream of something that they want to do. They want to get out in the world because this, 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 yeah, and this, just, and it will mean this to them. Just not wanting to die or suffer is not mm. enough. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's a motivator that's common to us all, but really it, it doesn't get you very far because all you're thinking about is the dying and the suffering. And it's, whereas, mm. okay, something positive, I want to be healthy, but then it's good to be more specific than that. You know, why mm. do you want to be healthy? Mm. What do you want to do with this health? And there's things that are, are physical that you can be motivated to do in your life rather than you know you can have a job that just involves you sitting in front of a computer and it might be a really exciting really wonderful job but you can sit there ill and do the job just as well as you can when you're perfectly healthy whereas if it's something like you want to be able to go cycling with your family or you know, singing was my one or yeah. you want something that actually uses and involves your body then suddenly, if you're positive about that, well, you've got to do something about your health. And there's a why, you know, mm. to just get creative and pour some positive energy. And it doesn't feel the same when you potentially are restricting something or trying to change something because you've got that in your head. Yeah, you, know? you don't care. You can, you can go through hardships because you have something mm. positive in your mind to focus yeah, on. completely. Kind of similar to number two. Rob, do you want to talk about um, our second point here? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's the idea that you need to take into account other things that are going on in your life. So if you have a negative feeling about some some aspect of your life, like some relationship or something to do with work, or then that will have an impact on your food choices. You get halfway through the morning, you're feeling tired, you want a snack. 
that's influencing your food choice. If you're down, you fancy treating yourself with something, that's influencing your food choice. And it's like, don't think that it's just about food. It really, all of these things come into it. And I, I'm not necessarily saying quit your job, dump your partner. You know, what, what can you do with your kids? I mean, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's, that, that's a, it's more a question of changing your relationship with them. And that may mean yeah. the ending that relationship, but it may also mean being positive about the choices of the ways that you interact with those things and how so how you communicate with your partner or how you interact with your job and the, the energy that you put into it it's just if if you can't just walk away from it then something's got to change and nobody's going to do that but you and yeah, that sounds really harsh doesn't it I don't know. No, the, but the it's, it's male true. energy coming into I don't this know, podcast. but I think <laughs> that I think that um, listeners know that deep down, personal responsibility is the key to taking control and being happy in your life. But it's well, not. I just easy. want someone else to do yeah, it, though. Exactly. <laughs> do you please take all this away from me and tell me what to do. That would be nice. If you've been around ancestral food for ten minutes, you know liver is a superfood. You're looking at a food packed with vitamins A, K, a broad spectrum of B vitamins, CoQ10, bioavailable iron, plus many essential minerals and more. Liver is your first stop when seeking to gain energy and restore your health. Not only is it a delicacy and staple of traditional diets, it's the first thing most animal predators go for when hunting. Are you looking for a good way to work liver into your daily life, but getting it on the table just isn't happening yet or as much as you'd like? This is where liver capsules come in. Allison and I are both supplementing our ancestral diets with liver capsules from One Earth Health. We get all the incredible benefits of liver, even when we're on the road or preparing non-liver meals for our family, and the sourcing and preparation has all been handled for us. One Earth Health produces nutritious organ capsules from 100% grass-fed New Zealand-raised cattle. Support the pod by purchasing through our link, and you'll also get 5% off and free shipping as a bonus. Go to oneearthhealth.com slash ancestralkitchen or check the show notes. Okay, number three. Number three is plan. And I've got two kind of prongs to number three. The first one is clear the decks. By that I mean sort out your cupboards and your house so the habit, so it supports the habits that you want. So if you want, for example, to give up sugar, take sugar out of your cupboards, throw it in the bin, get rid of it, get rid of bad chocolate if you're worried about eating bad chocolate. Whatever there is that you don't want in your life, do not leave it in your cupboards because when you're six inches away from food and you're hungry, you're not going to make a good food choice. You're doomed, that's what <laughs> exactly. I was going to say. Um, the second side of it is to identify weak spots in advance, your particular personal weak spots. And I, I had an example of this, which is another big habit change in my life because I used to be a smoker. And whilst I was kind of in the process of leaving Microsoft, I gave up smoking. And what was really important for me with that habit was to identify where I had a trigger where my weak spot was for a cigarette. So I knew that whenever I had a drink of alcohol, I wanted to smoke. So I knew that certainly in that beginning phase of giving up cigarettes, I had to not drink because it would just be too difficult. I also knew that when I got home from work, that was a sort of a trigger time when I would sit down, put my feet up and smoke. And so what I did was I said, right, when I get home from work, I get straight in, I get changed, I get my bike out and I go out on my bike and cycle. That's two examples of looking before you make the change, looking in advance and seeing where your weak spots are and changing your um, daily habits so that those weak spots will not happen and much less likely to happen. You're on top of them. Yeah, I mean, it's triggers, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's basically if there's a trigger that's going to cause you problems, well, avoid that trigger and then you've avoided the problems effectively. Yeah, yeah being clever with it, clever. Yeah. Okay, number four is plan what your food is going to be. So we all have busy lives and we have those situations where we're hungry and we just need to eat 
and we haven't really got the right things. And that's a, a potential danger situation. So create a situation that when you are hungry, you have good food in front of you and therefore that is what you eat. So if that means at the weekend you need to make sourdough bread or at the weekend you need to go to the farmer's market and get in vegetables or you need to boil up a load of eggs and leave them in your fridge, chop things, create some alternative kind of dessert that you can use or a kind of a cereal bar um, that you could eat instead of turning to that bad food. So plan your, your food so that you're not going to be sucked in when you're in that moment. You look like you had something to say, Rob, about that. No, no, that's it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're up to number five. Number five, and we're back really in my coaching realm here. Tell someone what you're doing. It's well documented that if you speak to people about a change that you want to make in your life, even if that change, even if speaking to that person is challenging because you, I mean, I always thought, well, what if I fail? They're going to think I'm stupid. You know, what if I don't do it? And, and also, you know, that if you tell someone, someone's going to be checking up on you. Um, but it does work because that person then, if you ask them, hold me accountable to this, you can ask them that, or you can just tell them what you're doing. That means you're far more likely to actually follow through because you know you've told someone about it. I think that's really difficult, actually, because you can often be, you know, part of the reason you have this set of habits is because of the people who surround you in your daily life. And that's, that's not to say anything bad about those people, but, you know, part of They're the integral to part it. of the change yeah exactly part of the change in your habits is changing your relationship with them so sometimes it can be quite difficult to tell them about it mm. because the reaction is going to be well no no don't do that <laughs> you know? yeah. and that that's going to discourage you so i think you have to think quite carefully about the timing and how you tell someone and how how you're sort of you might have to be ready to sort of defend yourself and stand your ground in a non-confrontational way in order to keep moving in that direction of course actually if you can tell someone who is essentially an obstacle to your change then and, and not be discouraged by it then you've done something mm. absolutely amazing so uh, but it's yeah it's to be treated with caution that i think because it's yeah. quite difficult sometimes it can help um certainly and writing it down can help too that's another thing that People who write down their goals are shown to um, be more likely to achieve them. Number six, this is one that is, it feels really kind of um, important to me in my own journey, particularly with my story of, my, of losing weight. Number six is develop patience and move closer. I really feel that sustainable real change takes time. Everything in the world would have us believe otherwise. So there's a pill that can fix us. I did this five steps and suddenly I was a millionaire. I took this thing and now I've got no problems with my health anymore. I, people have been trained into thinking that change can happen overnight, that there's a magic bullet, that this is going to cure them or heal them. And my experience is that that's not the case. I think certain things can have huge impacts, but... If you want to make a sustainable change in your life, you have to be prepared for it to take time. And so I said develop patience. And I use the word develop because I think it's easy for people in my past, let's, let's apply it to me, in my past, I would have said, I'm not a patient person, just can't do it. And it feels to me that that's kind of a bit of a cop out because patience is a practice, just like all the other um, traits that we would like to have in our life to show appreciation or gratitude or love. Patience is something that we have to actually practice it when the rubber hits the road in order for that muscle to grow in us. And sometimes we have no choice when we're on food journeys, you know, healing journeys. We just we don't get results straight away. And it's so easy to get down about it. But patience, 
applied again and again and again, because that's what you need to do, becomes something that you can lean into more. And that's something that I think you've taught me, Rob. When I met you, I would get frustrated very easily that something wasn't working and you just keep going. You just calmly keep going. Yeah, I can talk the talk, can I? <laughs> it's re- it's really difficult. Too. I mean, the, the, the thing about patience is that I think anything that's worth having takes time and patience. I, I just, I don't, I can't think of anything that just popped up out of nowhere in reality. It, it might have seemed like it did, mm, but then you mm. look at the things that and it, and it didn't. built towards it and you realise it's just, yeah, things that are worth having take time and patience. Yeah. The other part of this number six was move closer. And I want to tie that into the word discipline because I feel like when I lost my um, 140 pounds when I was 20, I did that through discipline, serious, like, um, under the car. I'm I'm putting my thumb onto the table now, like, (laughs) tying it down, you know, push, push, push. And you know what? It worked. And I'm ridiculously disciplined, you know. I I feel like that's something I identify with because I've practised it. Um, But but it has knock-on consequences, doesn't it? There are incredible downsides to discipline. There are things that that period of my life where I applied that discipline, there are things that that has left me with um, that are not positive, really So you solve one problem and create three others, essentially. Exactly. And I feel like it's a lesson in my life from, you know, that age 20 doing that to now nearly getting close to age 50 to be trying to practice the belief that it's just it's not about discipline it's about patience and then tenderness getting closer to yourself learning and befriending I guess the Buddhists call it loving kindness it's about getting closer to your psyche and your being and your spirituality your relationships and being tender and gentle rather than the kind of stick of discipline I think to be fair, though, to your 20-year-old self, I mm. think it's also sometimes about knowledge and learning and the fact that you just, you didn't know yeah. any of the things that you know now back then. You just didn't. So I had no choice. You, you, you know, you're like me. You had the food pyramid in front of you, yeah. you know, and that, that's what you do. And and so if if that's where you are and you need to make a change, then maybe discipline's your only option. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think... Maybe for for people who are, are I don't know, a a bit further down a sort of self-development journey than you Mm. were back then. It's Mm. a case of, well, okay, look at my options in front of me. I could use discipline to solve this consciously. Is that worth it? Is Mm. that going to create more problems than it's going to solve? Or do I have to hang back and think, okay, I need to do some learning. Maybe there's a cleverer way to do this. And maybe I don't engage with a, a a whip essentially i think it's just there is the learning but there's also the like you said i was not as i was not you said i was less far down my self-development journey it was an instinctive choice yeah. rather than a conscious choice yeah i feel like that there, there is more learning to do but there's also more trusting of oneself to do in options like that but you need to have the learning to some extent in order to and the practice at 20 years old, I wasn't very practiced in life. I'm not as much yeah. as I am now. Um, so, yeah, there's nuance in that as well. I feel like so many people that I've heard from who listen to the podcast have said, you know, I've done restriction. I've done all these restricted diets yeah. and people saying, oh, it's so hard to do gaps. It's so hard to do this. How do you do it? You know, I, I can't can't manage to keep that level of discipline up for months on end. And I... And I look back and I wish that I'd been kinder to myself. And I don't think, I don't, I want people to leave listening to the podcast knowing that it's not necessary. Discipline is not necessary. It might be useful, perhaps, sometimes. It's, it's it's a, sometimes it's a good short-term measure and so you can learn a cleverer way to do it. You yeah, know? Yeah, I think that's really completely. The, the bottom line. Yeah. And there's, there's always a cleverer way than the one you're using at present. There just is. 
because yeah. you can always learn. And that's coming from, frankly, someone who has made incredible strides in their health. And it's easy to go, well, I've tried everything. But I think, you know, to hear Rob say there's always something else and well, I know I, how many things he's I, tried. I'm always amazed at some of the things that sort of, that go right, sort of by accident, kind of after years and years of work and effort. And, mm. and then suddenly that effort pays off a little bit. And it's just, it's really, it's cumulative and it, it works over many, many years. And but you just, it's, I, I've had conversations with people of a sort of, an older generation to me is, so, oh, it's too late for me. It's too late. It's just, well, I, I don't know. I don't know when the line comes when it's too late and you think, you know what, I'm just going to sit here with my chocolate ice cream and <laughs> <laughs> like end like this. You know, maybe, maybe that is a point. But I think the point at which you start, it's a, it's a path. It's not any, any kind of result that you attain instantly. There, there might be results along the way, but it's the kind of a phil philosophical choice that you're going to maximise what this body can do without any, without any violent interventions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay, so without discipline, I put discipline in the same category as a lot of pharmaceutical drugs because the, the pharmaceutical drugs cause uh, some problems at the same time as solving problems yeah. and if you can do without them then good for you you know and, and the same applies to discipline it's the same kind of thing I, I want the smallest intervention I can possibly find for any problem because that causes the least knock-on consequences yeah. and that takes time yeah that's a hard thing to and failure that takes that's a hard thing to take on when we have been kind of saturated with the do this one big thing and knock it over the head and you'll fix it you know and you talked about it taking time you know sometimes you said something comes out of the blue after you've been working for years and years and years and when you said that I thought well those years and years and years of working that that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast have done those years are better with tenderness and with closeness <laughs> yeah. to yourself not yeah. with discipline with it without without expecting results but doing it because it's worth doing mm. it's a path worth taking because you know itself. why, because yeah. you know your why, back to number one. Yeah, yes. And more, yes, I know, I know there's another door I could open there and we yeah. could have a conversation about kind of um, what makes life important or what's, oh, I don't know, we know what the title of the conversation is, let alone what the conversation details are. Anyway, let's go on to the next, next one. Yeah, this next? is you yeah, next. So okay. how do you feel about our food world? Do you want to see change like we do? If so, head over to patreon.com forward slash Ancestral Kitchen Podcast and help support us to get this work out as far and wide as we can. To say thank you, we've got a host of extra ancestral food material to share with you. You can connect with us more deeply via our Patreon-exclusive podcasts, our after-show chats, our dedicated forum and our ancestral food get-togethers. And there's a library of downloads that will support you in your own kitchen. By joining, you'll be really helping us to continue making this podcast and to focus on having a bigger impact, reaching more people, making a greater difference. So we can move together towards the future food world we all want to see. We've got four levels of support to suit different pockets check out www.patreon.com forward slash Ancestral Kitchen Podcast for all the details. You, we're on to number seven. Tell the listeners what number seven is. You've titled it beautifully here. I remember I suggested this and then you, you did the titles and it says, beware of the thing you have to have. So I want to draw an analogy with personal relationships. So people get into a, a kind of maybe a dysfunctional relationship with somebody else in which they receive they they get used to behaving in a certain way towards someone like I don't know maybe you're with your with your partner you're ridiculously kind of servile you just do what they want and attend to their every whim the whole time and it doesn't do either of you any good because one of them becomes a bit hopeless and can't do anything for themselves and you just become run ragged because you're running around doing things for them and you, but you feel scared at the idea of 
not having done a ton of stuff for that person. You can tell I might have lived this at some point in my life. You you get not with me. <laughs> you get certainly not now. But you get kind of scared at the idea of being with someone. You feel insecure being with someone when you haven't put in that massive amount of effort. So what I'm saying is, you you basically get habituated to a kind of a a response and habit pattern between the two of you, and the same thing can happen with food. That's what I'm saying. So you can get really used to, if you say, oh, every morning I need my cereal or every morning I need my porridge or every, every day at lunch I need my, um, I need my sandwich or my pizza or got to have my meat with my, you know, whatever it is. There's just a long list of things or got to have my glass of milk. That's always a really good one. And you get habituated or people do regularly get habituated to even a negative response like literally to pain it could be painful the response from your body from eating some food but you feel so confused and out of sorts in the situation where you don't have it that you just start oh where is it I've got to go and get and whenever I think the distinction is like for example I have I don't know, a coffee and rye bread, like practically every day, practically every day. But you know what? On a day that I don't have one of them, I don't feel a kind of a panic. You know, if I don't have rye bread and I have something else, I enjoy the something else. I'm not really thinking about it. I do, I invariably gravitate back to the rye bread because give me a few days without it and with other things. And generally I start to lose a bit of weight because, and I, I can't actually afford to do that because I haven't found any other foods that do that for me but it for one meal it's not a problem same goes for the coffee i get the withdrawal symptoms if i don't have it but you know what i'm not actually bothered about it mm. whereas when i was eating wheat a lot i was eating like breakfast cereals you know the kind of shredded wheat sort of thing with avenger i just had to have that every day i had to have it every day and when when you feel yourself kind of doing this I have to have this thing and and I'm a bit panicky and off off my kilter if I don't that's the moment when you just look at it and you say well actually that's part of the backdrop of of my life that might well be influencing me negatively and I just need to go three weeks without it and see what happens and you know a little side point to add to that sometimes the symptoms that are negative that you get from something you'll get them after you stop so for example pasteurized milk for me really like i could have that a couple of times a day in some tea or coffee or whatever and i don't really feel any negative symptoms like i might i, I think the only one i noticed was i felt like i was sleeping for maybe half an hour an hour longer each day which was a bit strange when i stop after two or three days, I get the most horrendous upset stomach. And it's like, it's actually, you get the symptom when you stop sometimes mm. rather than when you're having the food. Mm. So it's a, just these things that you have every day and especially the ones that you crave the most, be really wary of them because they can be really pernicious. You know? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a journey into learning which are the things that I'm wanting because I'm craving them. And they're not necessarily good for me. And which are the things that I'm wanting because they provide me with sustenance. And I think you said, you know, that that kind of angsty, um, panicky feeling is the key to that, you know. Often, um, yeah, it really is. And and time and testing. And, and sometimes, I mean, if you never go without it, then you won't even feel that angsty, yeah. panicky sense. You just, if you're that good at making sure you've got your supply of super chock crunchy bars or whatever they are you know, i have to have my super chock crunchy bar mid-morning yeah you know, it can be something simpler than that it could just be no, wheat or you know cheese or something yeah okay let's move on number eight we are up to find something to replace a troublesome food with and maybe take it one step down so you know if you're giving up i go back to the example of sugar here um you, when you are used to eating sugar or things with sugar in a certain environment, it's good to have something that you can replace that with. So you could, for example, get some 99% cacao chocolate. And when you really, really feel like you want to eat that sugar, you have a, a square of that. Or 
if you're able to take it kind of one step down on the same um, ladder, you could get some really nice fruit in. So you could say, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to eat processed sugar, but I'm going to eat fruit and I'm going to get fruit in. And when I want to have sugar, I'm going to go and have that fruit instead. That's number eight. Number nine, make food yourself. Make the food yourself. And um, this is one that we've been through on many, many foodstuffs because we make so many foodstuffs ourselves. And I think the example that I would like to give is making chocolate. So I, as you probably know, love to make bean-to-bar chocolate at home with no special equipment. That's what my course is called. And, you know, literally I'm buying the fermented beans raw and having a big sack of them and I'm doing all of the things that I need to do to transform those beans into chocolate which is done in a factory somewhere otherwise you know I don't see it I just buy the bar of chocolate so I'm roasting those beans I'm checking the beans to make sure there's none of that holes on I'm roasting them I'm shelling every single bean or rubbish shelling <laughs> bean sometimes I'm quite good at it aren't I you are you're I better than why. me damn it <laughs> Um, and then I'm taking those um, cacao beans without their shells and I'm mixing them with coconut oil and cacao butter and vanilla and maybe some sugar. And then I'm melting that all down and pouring that into chocolate moulds and then waiting for them to set and then popping them out. And you know what? There's no way I'm going to eat a whole bar of chocolate you know, equivalent of a whole bar of chocolate of those chocolates. I'm just not going to. They are You're too gonna precious. You're going to really savour it, aren't you? Yeah. After all that. They are too <laughs> precious to me. For that moment of sort of holding it in front of you and it's underneath your nose and you're smelling it you just you don't want to move beyond that. It's so much energy. You to, know, whereas, you know, before I as a child, I literally ate kilogram bars. Um and I don't know how that translates into American. A thousand grams, two pounds, I think it is. You could knock someone out with one. Yeah, I used to eat kilogram bars of chocolate literally in one hit. That's how I, you know, I just, I didn't have that value for the food and that's how addicted I was to the food. Um, but it wasn't really chocolate either, was it? No, it's mostly sugar. Right, mostly sugar, yeah. <laughs> when you make food yourself, it's the same example with bread. I mean, people who buy bread sliced in a packet, they throw half the bread away. It was a bit... Stale. I can't I just, remember the last I just time we throw threw the away end. any bread. At all. Exactly. We don't even throw away the damn crumbs. I know. I'm mean, like, oh, sorry, I But yeah, people... Um, I'll edit it, do it out. Again. I do the editing. Don't I'll do it again. I'll edit it out. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, people throw away the end crust because they don't like it. I don't like the crusty bits. Or they, it's gone a bit stale, they throw it away. Or it's ripped, they throw it away. Yeah, literally, we never throw any bread away at all. Just It just wouldn't happen. Um, and I know, you know, people have experienced that with making bread. I know that they freeze the ends and make kvass with them, all these other things. So just the more you can make food yourself, the more you will value that food and it will be precious to you and you won't have the same relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think we're a, like we're an absolute one end of the bell curve extreme on this. Mm. And there's there's a whole set of reasons for that. But I think that any moves that anyone takes in that direction will they will make them just appreciate the food more and also probably make the food more assimilatable if that's even a word for their for their body at the same time i mean like the, another example i've got is the the beer that you make mm. that i i just literally since allison started making beer i have given up alcohol completely i mean i didn't drink it that much before but i'm just i'm just not interested because it's so much more pleasurable to drink something that you really appreciate because you put a huge amount of effort into creating it and it also has zero negative side effects for me i mean i'm not kidding like i compared to a glass of wine or a beer out of a bottle it's just it's unbelievable the difference to mm. to what we make now and and so for for those two reasons i just yeah, very, very infrequently because we don't have time to make it. But yeah. I don't care. I'm just, I'm really happy to have it when I do, oh, you know. Thank you. Hopefully we'll be having one soon. Hmm. Okay, number 10. We have 14 in total. Number 10 for um, tips for changing your food habits is make sure you're eating enough. 
Because if you're not eating enough, you're going to go and eat something that you um, don't want to eat because you're hungry, but also because your body's not got enough nutrients. It's not got the nutrients that it needs. So make sure you're eating enough protein. Make sure you're giving yourself enough energy in the form of carbohydrate. Make sure you're eating enough fat. That's something I think that we, we often forget, but it's a simple thing. Number 11, make sure you're giving to yourself, not burning the candle at both ends. I feel like um, this is a very, very important thing because it's very easy for us to turn to food to give us things that we can be getting in other areas of our life. Food was never as available and as convenient as it is now. So in the past, people couldn't do that. You know, they couldn't just go, oh, I'm feeling like I need some, someone to care for me and I want to feel luxurious, so I'm going to get this can of ice cream, you know. People couldn't do that because they just were fighting for, for enough food to live. Whereas now, it's easy for us to kind of take our human needs offline and replace them with food. And I really think, again, the best example of this from, from me is sugar. Sugar and foods with sugar in can fill holes in, or seem like they can fill holes in a life that is lacking other things like self-care, like time for quiet, like enough luxury and um, creativity and outlets for those things in your life and i think it works on both a sensory level and a physiological level mm. in the sense that you might be looking for the kind of feeling and the sensory pleasure of eating something sugary at the same time you might be looking for i mean a blood sugar hit so okay mm. i've not sat there with a blood sugar hit and measured this in myself but I know that there are times when <clears throat> I've been rushing around and I just I know that if I have something sugary then I'll be able to continue rushing around mm -hmm. and I'll get a bunch more stuff done the thing is what I have at that point is I actually have a choice I could go and sit down and wait for my fat metabolism again not sat there measuring all these mm. things in my um, bloodstream. But th this is how I picture it. There, there is some, I'm having an energy slump and I could cover that energy slump up with something sugary or I could go and have a sit down. And so if I have a sit down, then it starts to challenge all sorts of other things about my work patterns mm. and about what I expect to be able to, to achieve in a day. And your habits. And, yeah, and so there, there may be sort of medium slash long-term things that, I need to address. I guess it's coming back to one of our earlier points. Mm. Otherwise, what happens is I'm just using that sugar to cover it up. But e equally, I mean, I know I, I don't tend to get the kind of sensory feeling. Like I know you, both you mm. and Gabriel will eat something just because of the sensory pleasure mm. of it. Whereas for me, you've actually, you've literally got to put it right under my nose. And if you do that, I'll just, like an animal, I'll be that <laughs> and then I'll eat it. But I never, I don't come up with that thought spontaneously. But I do, I do do this on a kind of a, a physiological yeah. level. So I feel like there's, there's sort of two ways that food can insidiously make its way into Probably, your body when you, know, you really don't need it. Both you know? ways. I feel like women are more likely to have the kind of sensory thing than men in my experience. But Gable does have it. So it's not just women. Um, and I feel like kind of if you look at the history of womankind and what has happened to women, particularly in the last couple of hundred years with um, being what they've been subjected to, not going into it too deeply because we're not a feminist podcast and I'm not a feminist at all. But I think it's easy for women to give, give, give and not give to themselves. And giving to themselves can then take the form of foods that they know are not healthy, but it's too late at that stage to do anything about it. So this is another kind of preventative thing to work into your life. It helps to know your values, back to point one, and what, um, what you care about and what you want to do. I think, I think it's a lot easier in our day and age than I imagine it would have been in any other scenario in history mm. to go to the corner shop 
and or the supermarket or whatever and buy a kilogram bar of chocolate and eat it on your own in your room yeah. i think food historically has been more of a communal thing like if, if you yeah. kill an animal you're yeah. all involved in chopping it up and preserving bits of it and the celebration of eating it because you're not necessarily going to get another one for a while yeah. and and you know the harvest involves a huge amount of effort the, the cooking and preparation involves a, a communal effort so they're just it's it's much harder under those circumstances for someone to sort of slide into the habit of mm. just grabbing some physical sensation for themselves on their own that is actually detrimental to their health and we mm. we have that opportunity now and as beings that are capable of being conscious of themselves and their own drivers we need to start to check it and mm. move the triggers out the way and and change that because it's just it's just destructive it's someone who's trying to make some money and sees your weakness mm. And takes advantage mm. of it. It's as simple as that. You know, what you were saying made me think of, you know, the importance of eating at the table and being with family and how much difference that makes, really. It just is a whole Yeah, I mean, like Gabriel doesn't overeat at home. Yeah. He just doesn't do it. When, when he goes out, mm. uh, it can happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> I see what's on the tables, you yeah, know, and, and it he's depends, not been exposed to it. It depends on so. what's on the table and it also depends on the situation for mm. that eating. When I first heard Allison talking about boza, the fermented drink made of millet that's a household name in Turkey, I felt as if I was being transported back to a bazaar in the Ottoman Empire or traveling the Silk Road on the back of a camel, and I knew I wanted to taste it. Boza is fizzy, sweet, tart, and it's full of probiotics. You can drop it into your smoothies, spoon it on top of your breakfast, or drink it in the traditional way they still do in Istanbul, topped with cinnamon and toasted chickpeas. Fermented millet drinks were first made in that region of Europe in the 8th century BC. And as with all of Allison's courses, she's gone above and beyond in research and experimentation and testing on Rob and Gabe and given us an easy way to recreate the goodness in her own homes. If you'd like a fun and tasty way to get more probiotics into your life, bring her into your kitchen and have her walk you through how to bring this ancestral, dairy-free, gluten-free fermentation recipe with her amazing Boza video course. Head to www.ancestralkitchen.com slash Boza, B-O-Z-A, to check out the video course. And happy fermentation. Okay. Number 12, let's move on to that. Rob, do you want to take number 12 and share that with our listeners? Okay, find out what's more interesting to you. Well, it's a bit like the finding a why, isn't it? Is, is that what you're getting Well, really yeah, getting but there? I think it's slightly different um, in that finding a why is a reason why you're doing something. So I want to um, stop eating sugar so that I can have more energy, so I can go and... Um, climb this mountain for example i really want to climb this mountain and see the view yeah. whereas find out what's more interesting to you is it more a generic thing of like there's got to be something more interesting in your life than food even yeah, for me okay. you know like my life seems like it's food but for you i is. mean there's preparing food and reading about food yeah. and you're okay. actually you're writing not about eating food during those That's times true. You're, re you're really not but there are other things in my life as well and i'm i do better with food when I remember what those other things are in my life and I get engaged and involved in them and they are really interesting to me. I need to have that perspective and I think very often we get caught up in food if we've got health problems particularly and or if we've got a behaviour we want to change. It's it's really easy for us to just think that's the whole world. It, it fills yeah, up other, so much other of our consciousness. That we can just be absorbed in yeah. and just not think about food yeah, at all. Completely. Like, so, I mean... This this is one of those things where I just don't have a problem at all. And yeah. I, I've, I feel really almost guilty talking about it, that there's just so many things. That, it's also part of my personality that I'm, I get really absorbed in stuff and to the complete exclusion of yeah. everything else around yeah. me. So playing piano, singing, doing any kind of work on the computer, spending time with Gabriel, reading some comic or something, going out running, just whatever these, these things are. And... and 
be nice to, to do that spending some time with you as well actually yeah, well, <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> after not, we've done this podcast for that recently. <laughs> we can have some time together <laughs> this is our time together for the week great yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it is it's one of those things where if you can get just absorbed in something and just not even have a glimmer of thinking about food two three four five hours go by oh it's time to eat again and, and then easier for you you're, for you're really hungry and hopefully you've planned your meals so you can then create a situation where you've got something that's just right for you there. Mm. So there's, there's a kind of an intellectual planning involved in being ready for the next gap where you're going to have some food and, and you're not going to be focused on these other things. But yeah. yeah, having those things in your life that you just get completely subsumed in and there's just not a chance for food and sometimes we have to develop door, those yeah. because if, if particularly if women have been busy with families they've had no time to have any foray into that kind of thing sometimes you know if they've got three four or five yeah. kids they're just busy all the Although time their kids can be but one of the those kids things. can yeah the yeah. kids can be the and interest really or the garden for example can be the interest you mm. know something that is part sort of part of the home and is something that you're doing all the time um i know that engaging with my garden I can be kind of out there working on things and my garden's tiny and it's it's more interesting to me making art is more interesting to me beauty as a concept and anything that I get involved in trying to express that those are really important for me to have in my life otherwise it can feel like food is just everything and in order to change those habits, you need to kind of have that breath of fresh air where you get some perspective. I feel that's what that brings. Okay, number 13. And the last two we've got, 13 and 14, are kind of more things that you do in the moment. So in the moment of wanting to change your food habit but feeling like you've got a stressful situation and, and you're about to do something that you might regret. So number 13 is in that moment, breathe. And the word breathe just encompasses for me a pause that so much of our habits are involuntary almost that we, before we even know it, we've got that thing down and we've eaten it. You know, that's how I used to be. Before I even know it, I'd done it. I, before I even knew it, I'd done it. But taking a moment to stop your hand from moving or feel your feet on the ground, or breathe, gives you just a tiny, tiny window where maybe you can choose something different. And I feel like with patience, again, like the patience example, this is a practice. For me, uh, having a practice in my life regularly, daily if possible, of um, meditation, um, for some people it might be a spiritual practice, um, that helps me to have that like on my, in my bookshelf inside my body. So in that moment, when I'm about to potentially do something that was wrong, I'm able to draw on that practice to give me a tiny bit of space to potentially choose something different. And this is the same really with any habit. I, I experienced bad food habits much more in my past, but I, I struggle with work habits and with other habits in my life as well. And it applies with that too. If you can develop a practice that you can draw on, then in that moment you can potentially pause for a moment and choose something different. Yeah, I mean, I think breathing is it's so fundamental. I, th I think that I, I remember when I used to teach yoga, I had this dreadful thing that I used to do that always unsettled everybody in the room. But I, I think it really served to illustrate how your breath is so linked to your emotional pa patterns. I used to get everyone to take 10 really quick breaths into their upper chest and think, right, how do you feel? Then take 10 breaths into your lower chest, sort of the middle of your torso. How do you feel? Now take 10 really deep mm. breaths down, sort of moving your abdomen and your stomach really, really low. How do you feel? And just th there's an emotional quality that links with those three extremes of breathing. Mm. And so probably you have some breathing pattern that pretty much exactly equates with eating whatever food it is that you don't want to be eating in reality. And so 
if at that moment you stop and you take 10 breaths of a different sort, some breathing practice, I don't know, alternate nostril breathing, or if you don't want to look that silly, maybe, maybe just a, a kind of a, a mid-breath box breathing. Look it up. Go to a proper yoga teacher. But you will change the way your emotional state is working in that moment as well as just changing your breathing. And if your emotional state changes, you'll make a different food choice. Mm. And that, that's absolutely huge. Yeah. Completely. Okay, so the last one I want you to talk about, Rob, because when you first introduced me to this concept like a decade ago, I was like, no, <laughs> no, that's, that's, the, that's defeating the object of the whole thing. So tell the listeners what number 14 well, is. Well, it's, it's certainly the complete antithesis to the Alison discipline yeah. mentality that she was still really suffering from back then. Mm. But I, I think you can use it cautiously right it it has it has its place it's basically if you're going to do something stupid do it <laughs> right do it but be conscious and appreciate it as you do it and it, you know you, that way if you're going to eat something really awful you can at least appreciate that it tastes really nice and it makes you feel better you know and you'll at least get the best out of that also, being conscious, you might notice something about the way that your breathing works, about your emotional state and what that's connected with in the rest of your life. You, you just you might notice little things, just little keys that might help you along the way. You also won't get into this self-defeating kind of discipline mm. that causes as many problems as it solves. I mean, you, you might literally just get so stressed in the process of doing something that's in quotes wrong that you make yourself miserable enough that you end up doing it again and you mm. can end up in this kind of cycle so it's just if you're gonna do it anyway why not just enjoy it and why not be conscious and notice everything about it while you do it because you're gathering information to try and solve the problem and not you know beating yourself up and feeling guilty or inadequate is just totally counterproductive Totally. If you're, if you're using that energy to try and solve your problems, it is not going to get you very far. I feel far. like this is like the ultimate in kind of, I don't know, what's a kind of warrior spirit, you know, that <laughs> you could do it anyway, but don't be in a panic of like, oh, I've did that, blah, blah, blah. but to actually to do it and do it slowly and be aware of all the kind it's of. It's just a guarantee there's and... people listening who are like, no, but that, that, that's impossible. You can't, what, I can't just eat the crunchy bar. No, no. <laughs> but seriously, that's. It's a, yeah. it's an, an option. It's not necessarily, it's certainly not always the best option, but it is, it is an option that can help you move forward. And yeah. that's all you're looking for, a, a step forward. Wonderful. 14 steps forward, hopefully. I really hope that this has been useful to um, listeners. And um, there was one other one that I kind of thought of just a moment ago, which was the people around you. And we've kind of alluded to this in several of the... the um, tips that the people who you have around you are really important if you want to change your food habits so know that Andrea and I are here and there is a back catalogue of many 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 podcast episodes on our feed scroll back through them after you've stopped listening to this find another one that you think might encourage you download it and give it a listen if you're unsure about what meals you want to um, replace what you're eating with and you want some ideas, you can get meals at the Ancestral Hearth from our um, website, Ancestral Kitchen Podcast, which has 20 recipes in it that Andrea and I cook regularly. If you want to start sourdough, if that's one of your food habits you want to change, um, my book, Spelt Sourdough Every Day, is also available on our website. And if you want those people around you, if you need extra people around you, if you want to feel community in the journey that we're all taking, then come and join our Patreon. You can find information on that at patreon.com forward slash ancestral kitchen podcast. We have um, a Discord channel, which once you sort the tech is really easy to use. And there's lots of wonderful, wonderful people on that sharing, learning together, talking about problems, getting ideas. It's just a wonderful place to be. So do consider that. And if you do if you're thinking about it, you'll also be supporting the podcast. 
So, um, you know, if we have a microphone that breaks, then hopefully there'll be enough money to buy another microphone and we can carry on. So we, um, we really appreciate everyone who's listening, everyone who leaves us reviews, everyone who wants to come and join us on Patreon. And every word that you pass on about the podcast is precious um, indeed. So, Rob, thank you very much for giving up your Tuesday morning to set thank all this you. No, equipment it was fun. up. Get, get well soon, Andrea. Um, yeah, before Andrea's the not episode so well. on kitchen utensils, I'm not doing that one. No, no, you're not doing the one on essential oils. That's <laughs> no, up no, soon, definitely not. No. <laughs> exactly. Um, thank you for stepping into the breach and sharing your experience Anytime. It's fun. with us and um we should go off and think about food now because it's about lunchtime fantastic okay thanks bye for now bye thank you so much for listening we'd love to continue the conversation come find us on instagram andrea's at farm and hearth and allison's at ancestral underscore kitchen Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.